I remember waking up. It was dark, and my legs hurt so bad. It felt like someone was pulling on them as hard as they could. No matter how I laid, I just could not get comfortable. I hated that feeling, so I called out for my mom. She came to help, thinking someone something was horribly wrong. Turns out I was just experiencing growing pains, but at the time, it was the worst pain I'd ever experienced. I hated it. I'm Madeline, and I like reading poetry, scrapbooking, and basically everything else that grandmas enjoy, plus cats. I'm Kate. I like live music and tacos. I'm also addicted to dyeing my hair and to Dr. Pepper. I'm Moku. I like soccer. I like to hammock. And I like to sleep. I'm Carrie, and I like flowers, thrifting, and cliff jumping. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast episode number five. Today, we're telling stories about change and growth and how scary growing pain can be. Let's get started with Madeline and her story called Overcoming. When I was 16, my best friends committed the ultimate act of betrayal. They told my mom I wasn't eating at lunch. I was so angry with them, my vision burned red. Everything was on fire, and I couldn't stop the hot tears that spilled from my eyes. You know, the kind of tears that are uncontrollable. You feel stupid because you're not even sad. You're just so angry. And that was me. I had never been so hurt. My mom worked as a para at the high school. So we left and arrived home around the same time every day. I beat her home that day and began my usual routine. Change into my workout clothes, fill up a water bottle, and use the elliptical. Our elliptical was in the corner of our garage and tragically broken. It, it squeaked whenever someone tried to use it and never turned on, but secretly, I loved that about it. Because it was old and didn't function properly, it was harder to push, so I got a better workout. The little corner in my garage was my safe space, a spot where I had started spending most of my free time. When I worked out, I didn't have to think about anything. I could just focus on the feeling of my muscles tearing and the sweat dripping down my cheeks. But then my friend Lily texted me. I don't remember exactly what the message said. Something probably along the lines of, I'm so sorry I just ruined your life by telling your mom that you're slowly killing yourself. And also I think you should maybe see a doctor. Hey, while I'm at it, I think you're being a really bad friend these days. Love you though. It was a little more heartfelt than that, I'm sure. But the wording didn't matter. The damage was done. When my mom got home a little bit later, she broke the news to me. I wasn't allowed to eat lunch at school anymore. Starting the next day, I would come home with her on her lunch break and eat at our house. Also, I had to start therapy again. In that moment, I thought what I was feeling was anger, body shaking rage. But looking back, I think I was just scared. I didn't know how to eat normally anymore, and the thought of gaining weight made me want to vomit. In truth, I was tired. So tired. I couldn't walk upstairs anymore without losing my vision for a few seconds, and so much of my hair had fallen out. It was like I was in the room watching myself have that conversation with my mom. I saw her crying, pleading, so afraid. I saw myself, a bony shell of a human, and not at all perfect like I wanted to be. I was sick. So I agreed to the new conditions, and that was when I met Eva. Eva was tiny. 
She reminded me of a little pixie with her small frame and big eyes and button nose. At first, I was so envious and felt like the contrasting giant troll of the fairy tale when we were together. But after a few weeks of counseling, I was able to separate body from personality. Her looks were mine, and what was left was a friend. Eva was sarcastic, which I learned was something I could keep up with pretty well. I didn't have to be passive, sweet Madeline with Eva. I didn't have to walk on eggshells, afraid I would ruin my reputation as the kindest girl in school and the most well-behaved, the I-want-my-children-to-be-just-like-her role model. I could be feisty, I could be biting, and I could be honest. And Eva liked that about me. She also laughed at me, not in a malicious, condescending way. I just said some pretty ridiculous things, and she would laugh, and then I would laugh, and we'd be laughing together, and I would feel okay. I would feel like whatever was going on with me, an eating disorder, they said, was something I could overcome. It didn't seem so daunting in those moments with Eva. There was one moment in particular, however, that I think about the most when I'm feeling like I don't deserve the food in front of me or like I'm not good enough. Eva asked me why I had an eating disorder, as if it was something that could be answered so simply. It wasn't, and she knew it, but she often asked questions like this, ones that prode me to think so deeply and reflect. I'm skinny, I finally said to her. I always have been. Everyone said so, and I knew it too. I just was without trying, and it became my identity. When my body started to change, I panicked. I wasn't as small as I used to be. People didn't comment on my weight as much. Who am I if I'm not thin? You're Madeline, Eva said. You're a good friend. You're goofy. You're kind. If I've learned anything about you as a person over the last few months, it's that you're the kind of girl I want my daughters to look up to. And you're tall, like a princess. I could barely get out a thank you through my tears. When I finally met her eyes, I saw that she was crying too. There are permanent things about ourselves, our bodies being one of them. I finally realized that my body isn't meant to be an admirable object. My body allows me to live, and I had been depriving myself of that. I took control of my life, and I have Eva to thank for that. This is a story about acceptance and healing. One, two, ready, uh. Madeline, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. That's um, an amazing story of growth, for sure. Um, I have some questions. So, first of all, are you still friends with the girl who told your mom? I absolutely am still friends with her. We talk every day, and um, I don't know if your guys' senior classes had senior polls, but we actually won the uh, Best Friends Award <laughs> for our senior polls. So, yeah, we're still, we're still thick as thieves. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. So, Madeline, what's your thought on therapy? Um, I think everyone should have a therapist. I think it's really nice to have someone to talk to, um, regardless of whether you feel like you need help or are dealing with problems. I think it's just nice to have, you know, an unbiased source to talk to about what's going on in your life. I definitely agree. I love therapy. <laughs> my therapist is one of my favorite people, for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thanks, Madeline. Mm -hmm. Here's Kate and her story called Six Strangers and a Sack of Potatoes. I am bad at time management. I mean, really not good at it. 
Usually, I end up accidentally planning lunch with Grace and homework with Gina at the same time and not realizing until 10 minutes before when my Google Calendar notifications go off. Google Calendar notifications are the only reason I make it to my classes in the mornings. Speaking of mornings, I don't know how to get up right when my alarm goes off. The snooze button is a dear, dear friend of mine. Until I don't have time to shower and brush my teeth and eat breakfast, so then I end up skipping breakfast. I don't think I've ever been a big breakfast person. I vividly remember waking up when I was in 8th grade and complaining about how nauseous I was, which is so stupid and annoying and it's not fair, Mom. Classic middle schooler attitude. Or so I used to think. I'm learning more about middle schoolers now, though. That learning process started last summer in June when I met the new middle school pastor at my church. His name was Spencer. He was six foot four inches with a full beard, an obnoxiously loud laugh, and a closet full of overwhelmingly patterned shirts. He reminded me a little bit of a big fluffy dog, though I couldn't tell you which breed. I hope that's not offensive. (laughs) He met me, and within about 20 minutes of chatting about random things, he said, Kate, you are going to intern under me this summer and work with the middle schoolers. I had never heard a worse idea in my life. My perception of middle schoolers at the time was a bunch of sweaty, awkward, raging with hormones kids who could easily become emotional, angry, or horny at any given time. So terrifying. But my mom thought Spencer was the smartest guy ever, so she made me apply for this dreadful internship with the puppy pastor and the little boys and girls drowning in Axe body spray and training bras. My first official event as a middle school intern was the Minneapolis Service Experience, which basically meant we took 100 middle schoolers downtown and taught them about homelessness and had them do things like weeding, picking up trash. Then we ended the week by doing a scavenger hunt on a main street in Minneapolis. At the time, I was a fresh 18-year-old, but for some reason, I was entrusted with my own group of six girls who I was responsible for keeping alive. Well, really, I was supposed to impart all my godly wisdom upon them as their leader, but my personal goal was to make it through the week without any casualties. I pulled into the parking lot on the first day, walked into my church, and sat down in the leader meeting. I got a list with my group's information on it, six names which belonged to six strangers. Our first task when we arrived downtown was to pull weeds, which, might I add, feels extremely insignificant in the grand scheme of things. My group agreed. Kate, it's too hot out. When are we going to do something real? The girls asked me. Honestly, I was wondering the same thing, but obviously I couldn't tell them that. We can do it, girls. The people who live around here are going to be so grateful when they see the lawn looking so nice. I half-heartedly tried to convince them. Finally, after three hours of bonding over dirty hands and our fear of spiders, we switched out with the other group and we got to pick up trash on the surrounding blocks. After gathering gloves and a trash bag and leading the girls in an anxious prayer, we began to walk out of the parking lot. Before we even got to the sidewalk, I noticed two little girls across the street. The older one looked to be about 10 years old and the younger around five. In the older girl's arms was a giant sack of potatoes that looked twice her size. As they walked, potatoes kept falling out, so the younger girl was running around picking up the runaways. They both looked sad, hungry, and so, so exhausted. Apparently, I hadn't been the only one who saw the two girls with the potatoes, because my group had all stopped in their tracks to watch what was happening. Before I could say anything, one of the girls in my group, her name is Libby, looked up at me with these huge, hopeful eyes. Can we please go help them? She almost whispered her request. Maybe she knew the weight that simple question held. Maybe she didn't. 
Either way, it hit me like a train. I didn't pause to think. Of course. Six names, six strangers. Together, they ran across the street and helped the girls with their potatoes. They walked the half a block to the girls' home and dropped them off on the front porch. I waited on the sidewalk. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about my lack of knowledge about leading or my inability to manage my time. This was their moment. After that, we picked up trash, another seemingly insignificant job. The day came to an end as we pulled into the church parking lot, and I walked into the church for a debrief meeting with the other leaders. I don't know how God works, or why, but I do know that he's working through these girls more than they could ever imagine. Because when my Google Calendar notifies me that I have 10 minutes until youth group, everything disappears except for my girls. That's the story of six names, six friends, and a sack of potatoes that changed my life. One, two, three, four. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Kate. Of course. Uh, qu- a quick question. Do you have a relationship with your middle school girls outside of youth group today? Um, yeah, I do. So I'm still their small group leader at youth group, but I also get to go to their school events, like their dance competitions and their plays and things like that. Um, sometimes I'll get coffee with them throughout the week. I have, again, like Mal was talking about earlier, like Snapchat streaks with some of them. Um, they're some of my best friends. I love them so much. I can't imagine my life without them at this point. That's so great. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe your middle school experience in comparison to theirs? Do you think the times have changed middle school experiences at all? Yeah. So I had a little bit of an abnormal middle school experience because I was actually homeschooled when I was in middle school. So. My experience was very different from the experiences that they are having in public schools, but I would say even if I had gone to public school in the span of the five years since I was in middle school, so much has changed, especially because of the prevalence of social media. I think there's a lot more drama and chaos and confusion for them, and it's just really hard for them in middle school, so I'm glad that I get to be a friend to them and a mentor of sorts, so yeah. Anyways, here is Muku and his story called The Third World Country. As a five feet tall, comb over undercut, black hair, dark skin tone, ten year old boy walking down the stair of a bigger version of a helicopter. I didn't know whether this foreign environment can be adaptable. So, this is what a third world country looks like. What are these hard pebbles filled with hard liquid pins cover every part of the ground? How do I use this thing that looks like a toilet but stick to the side of the wall? All we had was toilet that planted in the ground and disappeared after we flush it with warm water. I guess you don't full squat anymore in this third world country. I don't mind hearing others say I have a good squatting form in the gym, though. Weird flex, right? I literally learned that the thing I called, I was in, is called an airplane. After many hours in the air watching the diary of a wimpy kid and drinking apple juice, I still have no idea why those kids ran away from the rotten cherry cheese on the solid cement at one end of the basketball court outside the school. Yeah, 
Where they put all the water to clear your rear end? All these questions make me sick. Bangkok was a big city too, but that didn't make me feel like a foreigner. After landing in Dallas, Texas airport, that's when I realized people are different. They don't speak career, no Thai. People looked at us with bigger eyes than usual and half jaw dropped as we exited the airport because we had international organizational migration bag along with green, red, and orange plastic bags. Maybe we look like a fob. Fob translates to fresh up boat. That's what they call people whose style of clothing is a bit different to them. At first, I thought fret sounded nice, but apparently you're not supposed to look like a fob. What does fob even look like? I still don't know. While we drove to our new house, I realized not a single one of the house has a wooden leg that holds up the house in place. Yes, the houses are beautiful, though I prefer the ones at home. It's too crowded here. I rather live in simplicity where houses blend in with the environment surrounding us. I recently found out cranes are living in the rainforest. I sometimes refer to the jungle people like the natives living in the Amazon rainforest. We stood out. It felt as though we were hobbits living inside a rock rather than the earth where the usual fictional hobbits live. Even our height reveal a hobbit alike. I went to the house and I started crying. I want to go home. I felt lonely. Regardless of what happened, I was thankful to have my family with me. We slowly adapted to our new house where our caseworker told us to go home. I enjoy laying down on my cushy soft queen size bed. It's different. I would have to move my body consistently at night while trying to fall asleep on a hard bamboo floor in Thailand. Our new bed was just a bit more comfortable than laying on a hammock that was made out of yarn tied between two trees in a hot summer covered by shades of trees leaves. While sat in the bed, I leaned my head against the wall. As I look outside the window, I smile. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Muku. So we have a few questions. Um, how come you referred to America as a third world country when you first arrived? That's a good question. I always wondered that. Um, talking about third world country, the place in Thailand where I live, we live in a refugee camp, so we're not well educated. We always thought our place was the main part in the world, so we like call other places in the world like Western countries as the world country. Interesting. Yeah, I never had considered that from another culture perspective. That's awesome. Another question. Uh, yeah. Do you think that Diary of a Wimpy Kid was an accurate representation of school in America? Um, not currently right now at Bethel University. <laughs> I hope not. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But maybe middle school years when I first came, I could somewhat see it. Were they still playing the cheese touch game when you came? Oh, no. <laughs> I remember playing that when I was Me in middle too. school. <laughs> that was funny. 
Here is Carrie and her story called August 27, 2018. It was August 27, 2018. I was in CC313 for my very first class as a freshman at Bethel University. As I looked around, tears streamed down my face that soon turned into a sob. No one knew as to why I was crying, but they also didn't know that they were actually tears of joy, tears of freedom. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up in a lower middle class family in Pachu, South Korea, and at the age of nine, my siblings and I moved to the United States to live with our relatives because my parents wanted to give us opportunities that they never had. For the next nine years, I continued my life at a small town in Wisconsin called Port Washington. Due to an unfortunate circumstance, I decided to be independent at the age of 18 with my final year of high school still in front of me. I went through the remainder of my time in high school with no hope for the future. I truly believed that I was going to be working as a waitress for the rest of my life. I was thrown into the real world with little to no preparation and every day became a struggle. I grew upset with God. It felt as though he had abandoned me, and I couldn't see how this was all part of his plan for me. However, God continued to show his love for me through the people he placed in my life, even in the times I wasn't faithful. And it wasn't until August 27th of 2018 that I realized he has been with me all along. Even in the moments where I felt alone, left out, or unworthy, he was by my side crying with me. And as I looked around the room that day, I became overwhelmed with feelings of gratitude, joy, disbelief, and this unexplainable feeling of freedom like the weight of the world has been lifted off my shoulders. On August 27th of 2018, God did what I thought was impossible in my life and I couldn't help but just cry. Through this season of my life, I learned how to live loved even in the times of trials. I realized that God's love is not based on me and when I say that, I mean that it's not based on my actions. It's not based on whether I go to church every Sunday or read the Bible every morning. No, God's love is so much greater than that, yet it is simply placed on me and it is a place where I should feel loved. Growing pain can be defined as temporary difficulties or problems at the beginning of a particular stage of development. And I guess this is the story of my personal growing pain, even though it might not be the one you would expect. I went through a lot of pain in the process, but I can't be more thankful for the ways I have grown into the person I am today. Carrie, that's an amazing story of growth. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, just curious, did anyone in the class check on you when you were crying? A few did. Like I've mentioned, uh, it was the very first day of class yeah. uh, filled with freshmen. Um, I remember it was CWC. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a room filled with freshmen that also happened to be the biggest uh, lecture hall at Bethel University. Yeah. So I did get a lot of looks um, from many different people. 
I'm sure there were looks of concerns, and some people probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, some few girls in front of me, uh, sweet girls. I don't remember who they are, but um, I remember them checking up, asking if I was okay, and I, me just replying, yes, everything is fine. Okay, good. I'm glad some people checked on you, and I'm also so glad that they were tears of joy. That's so good. Thank you. Yeah. So what have we learned today? I feel like I've learned that growth looks extremely different for each person, and growing pains can be represented in totally different ways based on unique stories. What about you guys? So true. Yeah, I agree. Um, whether it's emotional or physical, relocating, you know, we all go through some type of growth that's painful during it, but we all make it through, and here to tell the stories so yeah, yeah. so good and i think it's also so cool how each of our girls stories or change stories were very different and how it influenced us into the person we are today right. definitely we want to thank some people for helping us out on this modern story podcast at bethel university in saint paul minnesota first thanks to nick swedland and Alyssa tay for building the podcast studio and giving us access to it Thanks to Sam Mulberry, Zach Walker, Abby Peltz, and the two Emmas for showing us how to do a live podcast. Thanks to the writers who inspired our stories. And we should thank each other for our edits. Look for the next episode of Modern Story Podcast. And lastly, go tell your mother about Modern Story. <laughs> or tell your brother about Modern Story. Maybe tell your favorite barista. Oh, that's a good one. Or maybe your girlfriend. Or boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> or you should go tell Geetha yes. about modern yes. stories. Wow. Oh yeah, definitely tell Geetha. She needs to hear this one. Um, you could also tell your pet hamster or your pet fish. I think that's a good option too, mm-hmm. yeah. Or your middle schoolers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Thank you so much guys for listening.